That is surely not hard to believe when we start the service with such a precious baptism, indeed, right? It's your season to be blessed. It's your season to be blessed. It's your season. The blessing is yours. If you are here today, as there have been through many centuries, if you are here today as a seeker, the blessing is that you will find. For those who seek, will find. And the blessing is available if you have been seeking for a little while, long enough to see there is a new way in front of me. And you are feeling that it is right before you. And you are ready to step on it. The way is here and it is for you. The blessing is there for you. And if you have been walking the new way for a while, and you've maybe experienced even personally some of the kinds of healing or freedom or comfort or strength that can come on this new path, and you have begun to believe, well, indeed, this is your season to be blessed. A season of belief is upon us. And if you have been journeying this path for a while and you have been able to experience a deepening of belief and that has become in you a hunger and a thirst to live more powerfully and truly in the relationship with the one who has called forth that belief. If you are feeling hungry for the depth of discipleship, this is your season to be blessed. Indeed, discipleship is open and available to every single one who would step out on that path. And why is this possible? From the beginning of our infant baptism all the way through our seeking and our finding and our new paths and our believing in our discipleship because of the one who blesses us. Let us pray. God, we just give you praise and thanksgiving today for you are the one who places within us a kind of belovedness that will not let us rest until we claim it and claim it fully. You have called us forth as new life over and over again and in this season, this Easter season, let us be blessed in you anew. We give you the glory and we ask that you help us to surrender anything that stands in the way of that. For this is your home. Make your home within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, what a wonderful beginning. This is your season to be blessed. We have been celebrating Easter and celebrating Easter and celebrating Easter. How long ago was that? Easter, Easter, Easter! Christ is risen! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah! Okay, when do we finish up with that Easter thing? I don't know about you, but for me, that was kind of like the grand finale, right? You go through the church year, and then you come to Easter. Wow! You get dressed up, get very happy, have lots of good food with friends, and you celebrate the new life, and it's wonderful! We celebrate Easter, we believe in the resurrection. Okay, all good. On to the next thing. Right? I don't know, I didn't really quite understand what you do after except do it all over again. Right? And these weird days that were kind of in between Easter and then Pentecost, the next big party. Right? 
And I was just kind of like, oh, those are the days in between. Well, Easter and Pentecost, <laughs> just those days. Not much going on there. Wrong. <laughs> At least in the scriptures, there's a whole lot going on there in between Easter and Pentecost, a whole lot. But I have to say that at the end of our sermon message last week, I thought we were still kind of closing up shop, right? I don't know if you remember, but the end of that scripture, after Thomas was doubting and, 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 and Jesus appeared and made his presence known and it was all affirmed. And then it says right at the end of that, you know, these things occurred so that you might come to believe. There were many more things, more than could fill a lot of books, but this is enough for right now, basically. Sounded like we were at the end of the, we all came to believe. There we go. Isn't that the point? Coming to believe. Isn't that the point? Well, we look at the disciples. Just look at them. Notice a couple things. We might notice that they had all this happening to them live and in color right there. And Jesus has been showing up, helping them believe over and over again. And here they are, what are they doing? Going fishing. Just going fishing. Yeah, they came to believe. And now they're going fishing. Fishing, what they were doing before they started this whole journey. They're doing the thing they started with. They're going back to their life. Well, we're believers now. Yeah, we saw, we saw the risen Christ. Going fishing. See, the thing is, what do we do with this belief? What do we do with it? We celebrate it. We believe it. We claim it. We say, I'm a Christian. I believe it. It's mine. But what do we do with it? The disciples aren't so sure what to do with it, so they go back to what they knew. And as they're doing what they knew to do, once again, Jesus comes along. Okay, and I'm going to fast forward here for a minute. I'm going to just put a disclaimer First of all, I love this whole section of teaching. Second of all, this whole section of teaching could be three at least different sermons. There's a whole lot going on here. Okay. Fourth, I'm going to, fourth, third, fourth, where am I? Okay. Anyway, next I'm going to move into a disclaimer that there's a whole lot of things that I would love for us to look at. For instance, I'm going to just give you a quick little taste, okay? For instance, we could look at, this is the first time that those disciples are all named. Those particular disciples are named together. And each of those disciples that are named together, it's interesting to note, each of those disciples are disciples who explicitly doubted Christ. And they are disciples who later affirmed Christ. And they, all three of them, had Jesus ask a question after their affirmation, sort of wondering, hmm, we'll see about that. We'll see if you're as committed as you're saying you are. We'll see if you're as convinced. Interesting that we're starting with those named disciples. We might look at that. We might look at the fact that Jesus then goes on and calls them by this word children. He has not done that for a long time, and we are at the end of the story here, right? They're, they're grown up some, we think. But he uses this word children, and he's not talking about children like children of God. There are different kinds of words for this word, children. He's using the word that means you little ones who haven't grown up yet. He says it affectionately, but he's saying you're still pretty little here. 
children who aren't catching fish, doing it the old way. Okay, we'll get back to that. We could talk about that. We could talk about the fact that they can't see Jesus, even though you would think, come on, he's been popping up a lot lately. Okay, so by now, you think that they might be sort of looking for him, maybe thinking he might be there. But no, there he is. I mean, he just went in through the closed doors of the fear room, you know, might see him out here. But no, they're not looking, and they don't notice, and even when they do, it takes a little bit to recognize him. They just saw him yesterday. <laughs> it takes a little to recognize him. Okay, so we're getting the picture. And when the recognition happens, what their different kinds of responses are. I personally can't wait to preach eventually the sermon about how Peter jumps up and is naked and then gets dressed and then jumps in the water. So we could talk about that for a minute. That's a different sermon. But he jumps in the water. He's so excited. He's always getting in the water. I'm going to walk on water. I'm going to get, I mean, he just got to get in the water. So he goes into the water. He's so excited, goes over to the shore where Jesus is. That's all interesting. Then we might notice it's very interesting, too, that Jesus has already set up a nice breakfast buffet on the shore. Jesus is there with the fire and the fish and the bread. He's prepared a table again, just like what? What just happened last week? The Last Supper. Very similar, right? Very similar. And so here he is on the shore, setting up something similar to the Last Supper. We might notice that and find it interesting how he interacts with folks around that. And then there's a whole other movement that happens after they have the breakfast, the Last Supper. This is maybe the first breakfast. So they have the first breakfast. And then they go into a whole other thing that many of you might be familiar with, right? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. What's going on here? It seems really simple. Why do they keep saying the same things back and forth to each other? <laughs> what does it mean? Come on, that's kind of funny. Don't you find it simple and confusing at the same time? Right? There are lots of ideas. Why does Jesus keep asking the same thing over and over? And why does Peter keep saying it? And why does that get confusing? Right? A bunch of different things we might talk about. What I'm going to suggest right now is that the overall theme here has to do with discipleship. That this is overall Jesus teaching about the bottom line. This is almost the very end of John's gospel. These are very close to the last words Jesus speaks in John's gospel. And he is trying to wrap it up and sum it up. And John wants to make very clear that we understand what's before us. This is the last shot. Okay? And so the overall movement is that this is for those that are on this path of discipleship, a way to think about it. Now, I want to say, if you're not yet on the path of discipleship, so be it. We are all in many different places. This is not just for those who are in discipleship, but the message is especially for them. And what is the message? What's the message? Here it is. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. That's attractive, huh? 
You're going to go ahead, and you used to go where you like to go, but now you stick with me. <laughs> you stick with me, and you can grow old, and people will take you where you don't want to go, and then you can die. Follow me. It's kind of funny, but it's the deal. It's the deal. We celebrate the new life, but the underlying thing is there's no way to but through. There is no way to new life but through death. Those of us that are on this path are going to be confronted with the reality that we have to follow through with the death in order to receive the promise of new life. What does that look like? What does that mean? These stories create a pattern of three movements, I would suggest, one way to look at it. First, we see the disciples out there returning to their old way of life because they don't know how to live in a way that reflects what they believe. Yeah, they, they're coming to believe, but they don't know what difference it makes. And they don't know how to actually do anything with it. So they go back to what they know. And how's it working for them? <laughs> right? Fishing in the dark, got some empty nets. <laughs> That's all right. That's how it's always been. But I believe. So what happens in that place? At the very least, they are open to seeing and hearing. Let me have eyes to see, ears to hear, all through the Gospels. They are trying to practice availability to perceive, to recognize the presence of God, even in their old lives, even in their old ways. And always, Jesus will follow through with that promise. And there he is. And there he is, and he calls them to recognize the presence that he is there. And they don't at first, exactly. But they respond, and he says, you're not really catching anything, are you? Ah, we're not. Okay, try the right side. Switch it over. Try something new. Go into the waters that have some fish. Quit dragging your nets through the empty waters. Try the other side. Come on over to the other side. And when he goes ahead and gives this kind of new way guidance, they experience what? abundance, the miracle. They recognize, he really is here. He really is real. It's really him. How do we know? Because my life was empty and now it is full. Because I didn't know how to do this thing and now I do. It's real. I'm coming to believe. Fabulous. And it doesn't stop there. So we come to believe. Great. Then what? We notice that Jesus is on the shore, not quite where we are, Jesus is on the shore, and invites us to move some more. Keep moving. This time, come to the shore of faith, and look, I've prepared a place for you. I've got stuff that you need, that you want. Come, break your fast with me. Come, that place that's empty, break that fast. Let me feed you. Let me fill your emptiness. This is the new day, come ashore. Oh, but wait a minute. I have a lot of stuff here I could feed you, but right now, you actually need to bring something too. Bring some of the fish that you have caught. Bring it, and together we will share the meal. 
It's very much like the Last Supper with a very important difference. After the resurrection, we who are growing in our faith need to bring the stuff we catch too. We need to come forward as who we are, doing what we do, and sharing what we have to share with Jesus. We're moving from just that God takes care of everything for us and we are just going to get, 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 get into, oh, a deeper, more real relationship with Christ. He calls us to the shore and says, be with me, break your fast with me, let's share. What have you got here? Here's what I have. It's an exchange. Now that's a deepening of relationship, right? A little scary for many of us. And it's echoed by the disciples as they say, well, we dared not ask if it was him because we knew it was him. Well, that's kind of funny. Why would you ask if you knew? And why would you be afraid to ask if you knew? Intimacy. Think about your intimate relationships. The things that sometimes you are afraid to ask because then you would really know the other person and they might really know you. That deep, intimate relationship with Christ, that would be the next movement. We go from this presence and believing into a place of practicing relationship and intimacy. We're growing up in our relationship. But that's not it either. And we're not quite done. And we move forward with Peter again. We just love Peter, right? He's just so great. And when he sees that it is, oh, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And he jumps in, into the water and goes, I mean, that's beautiful, wonderful, passionate. He leaves all the fish back there. So he doesn't have anything to eat or to feed anybody else. But it's excited faith that grows a little into coming ashore and finding out that he can be with Christ. And now he's following. And then they have this conversation, Jesus and Peter. And Jesus says this thing a couple times. Now what's interesting is there are three different um, exchanges but with two different kinds of words for love. And I'm just going to leave out all the academic stuff. You could look it up if you want. But basically translated, it would go something more like this. Jesus saying to Peter, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter saying, I am devoted to you. And Jesus considers that and then he says, okay, let's try this again. Do you love me unconditionally? And then Peter says, Lord, I am devoted to you. What's the catch in that? What is Jesus trying to get Peter to see? What is immature still about that? And then Jesus, being who Jesus is, accepts him where he is. And he says to Peter, Peter, are you devoted to me? And Peter feels hurt because he realizes something is going on, but he can't quite get it. But he says, you know everything, and you know that I am devoted to you. And in each of these times, what Jesus says in response is, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Again, moving from lambs to sheep, growing up. If you are going to follow me, you're going to have to care for the new ones, the baby lambs, and give them what they need. You're going to have to tend, guide, be with, shepherd, 
them as they grow into sheep. And you are going to have the stuff it takes to feed them, even when they are grown. Do you have that? It takes a mature faith. You cannot give what you do not have. And if the gift is new life, you can't give new life if you are not through with death. And so, the wrapping up overarching movement of our sermon today is just the invitation, the promise, and the challenge of moving from death into life. Following through with anything that holds us back from recognizing the presence of Christ. Letting it die to us. Following through with any shame or fear or anxiety that keeps us from full intimacy with Christ. Letting it die. And following through with the surrender of self-centered love. As delightful as it is, this is not just about my relationship with Christ. But Christ's relationship with you through me. It is not just about your relationship with Christ, but Christ's relationship with me through you. We bear forth the new life within us to the degree that we follow through with death to the point where we are through with things that are dead and bear forth only the risen life. This is the down and dirty, quick teaching on the discipleship model at the end of John. What we can take from this in promise and hope is this. The promise of new life is already come true in Jesus Christ. And the challenge to allow it to happen in us is made way for in every step of the way by the Christ that calls us and accompanies us and forms us and leads us to the life that we seek in and through him. And that is a blessing indeed. Hallelujah.